0: Hi, I'm Dr. Amy Robbins, and welcome to Life, Death, and the Space Between podcast. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and medium, and here we explore life, death, consciousness, and what it all means. Sylvia True was born in England to parents who were refugees from Germany. She moved to the U.S. when she was five. Growing up with parents from different cultures, a mother who was a Swiss champion figure skater, and a father, who was a theoretical nuclear physicist, gave her, a, gave her varied and unique perspectives. During her summer breaks, Sylvia likes to travel to the Amazon and do research in the rainforest. She has raised two daughters, both pursuing their passions. Presently, Sylvia lives in Massachusetts with her husband and two spoiled dogs, where she is a high school tem- chemistry teacher. Where Madness Lies is her new book that is available from Top Hat Books and wherever books are sold. So, welcome, Sylvia, to the show. Thank you for having me. Hi, everybody. I just wanted to thank you all for your continuing support of the show and for passing forward my podcast. My podcast has grown only because of my listeners. So I just want to give you a moment to tell you how much I appreciate you and what you have done for me to help me grow. And I'm excited to say that I am now a featured creator on Fireside, Fireside is an app that allows the audience to be part of the process. So I will be hosting shows over on Fireside where you can listen live to the show. You can also ask questions of the guests. If you find me on Instagram at Dr. Amy Robbins, you can link to my Fireside bio there and you'll be able to download the app through that. Also, if you haven't subscribed to my newsletter yet, please do so at dramierobbins.com. I'm going to be switching to bi weekly uh, newsletters, so you won't be getting them weekly anymore, but you will be getting bi weekly newsletters with my soul wisdom and other fun tidbits that I'm going to bring to you all. So go ahead, follow me on Instagram, find me on Fireside. You will also still be able to hear your podcasts as you are used to listening to them on Apple or Spotify or wherever else you get your podcasts. But Fireside gives you the opportunity to listen live with me. So I would love to have you come join me over there. DM me if you have any questions. And thanks again for your continued support. So this book is fiction, But it is based on the true story of your family and struggles in Nazi Germany and being refugees. Can you speak to what that experience was like? Because they escaped before the war, correct?
1: Right, right. They did. Um, Actually, so both sides of my family, my father's side and my mother's side, um, lived in Frankfurt in Germany. And my father's family ended up fleeing to England right before the war. I mean, they just made it out. And my mother's family ended up fleeing to Switzerland. And um, it's interesting because later they didn't know each other in Frankfurt. The families didn't know each other. But later they met in England when my mother was training, when my mother was a figure skater. They met in England. So um, anyway, the book is... In a way, it's my grandmother's story, my grandmother on my mother's side. And she had a sister who was mentally ill in Germany in the 30s, which was a pretty horrific time to be mentally ill. Um, My grandmother tried everything to help her sister. I mean, she did her research, she got the best doctors. They eventually um, had Rigmore in uh, one of the premier mental institutions Called Sonnenstein. And unfortunately, because of some of the Nazis' decrees at that time, she was sterilized. So in 1933, the Nazis came up with their sterilization law, and all sorts of people were sterilized. Um, you know, it could be for alcoholism, there's even for idleness, for feeble mindedness, for blindness, deafness, any kind of mental illness. And then, of course, that led to their euthanasia program. So my grandmother left Germany um, with my mother, but she lost everything really. I mean, she lost her social standing. She lost her husband stayed in Germany for a variety of reasons. And um, I think then she just closed that part of her life off. I mean, she compartmentalized it. And then she, she basically became kind of controlling and rigid and which makes sense to me because there was so much she couldn't control in Germany and so much tragedy and so much that went wrong that she sort of tried to control all the little things. I mean, her clocks in her house had to go off at exactly the same time every day. You know, she became sort of a perfectionist of the little things. And then much later, um, I also struggled with mental illness, mostly depression and but I didn't know it until I ended up in a mental hospital. I just thought I was weak. And, you know, my family would tell me to pull up my socks and not be so oversensitive. And and I, I was barely hanging on. I um, was felt like I was on a tightrope all the time. I couldn't drive anymore. You know, I'd panic attacks if I went to the grocery store. And I thought this is like mid t- 24-ish, 25. Um, I was like, well, I don't, I just, I, you know, I felt weak and incapable of almost anything. And I thought, well, I know what I'll do to fix this. I'll I'll have a baby, which probably wasn't the best idea, but was the greatest gift. Right. So I had a baby, um, the postpartum depression then hit on top of the regular depression. And I ended up in a mental hospital. And when I was in a mental hospital, I mean, all the doctors, one of the things I'm sure, you know, they asked, is there any mental illness in your family? And I was like, no, absolutely not my family's perfect. Um, There was, there's nothing. It's me. I'm the weak link. And what happened during that time is my grandmother and my mother um, came to help me. Initially, they couldn't talk to me at all. They were so terrified that I was in a mental hospital because of what had happened to my grandmother's sister. But that was a big secret. Nobody knew that. Mm. I certainly didn't know that. But eventually they did reveal it. And for me, that was, that was a huge turning point. You know, I wasn't alone. I wasn't, you know, some, like, just, I don't know, I don't even know what the word is. But I, I you know, I wasn't alone. I felt like, yeah, I, I am part of this family. And then it became clear that, you know, there was, there's depression that runs in the family. And certainly Rigmore, that was my grandmother's sister's name, suffered from that. Anyway, that was a, a sort of a long answer to your question. <laughs>
0: well, um, you know, it's interesting because I think my curiosity is like, how do you think, because you described, was it your mom or your grandma that was like really rigid about the clocks? And
1: My grandmother. Yeah, your the grandmother. Okay, so I think that my, and, the, and really, the, she's the central character in the book. And, you know, because of what happened to her in Germany, Then she sort of closed down, you know, put away all, I mean, that was not talked about, just absolutely never talked about. It wouldn't have been talked about unless I, unless I went into a a hospital. I mean, you know, that secret would have died with them, Mm -hmm. but, you know, I think in order to help me, and I think it was very painful, obviously for my grandmother to, um, to reveal this and to have to, you know, go back and look at the past and, you know, sort of relive how painful it was, but she did it in order to help me. And it really brought the whole family into the light. It was, you know, and I'm sure you've seen this and heard this, you know, sometimes when one family member ends up in a mental hospital, you know, the whole family sort of, if they're willing to, you know, they, they end up discussing what happened and they end up like sort of growing and actually being able to love in a, you know, in a more genuine, less fearful way.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think when people can come together in that way and open up and, you know, a lot of times in a family, one person ends up being like a container for everybody else's. Right. You know, all of their unprocessed Right, stuff. exactly. Right. And so that's sort of what I was wondering is, you know, and I often wonder this with um, particularly, I think, families who've experienced, you know, intergenerational trauma. Right. Is how much is, you know, you have this predisposition, right? Her sister right. suffered from depression and you're raised in an environment where, there's secrets and there's there's had to be, you know, I'm sure your grandma suffered from tremendous grief oh, right, right. Um, and depression after right. maybe not clinical, but certainly I would imagine she was grieving and, and just a lot of unprocessed. Stuff and how we energetically pick up on that, whether it's outwardly them sharing with us, whether it's the genetic piece, or whether we just know it in our DNA that that is part of our story, um, and how that changes and and ch- can change the chemistry in your brain. But it like there's so many
1: components to it. So how do right. you see it? So I do think children are real barometers of sort of the climate of the family, right? I mean, they, you know, I didn't know any of the details or what was going on, but certainly I picked up on the fear and the secrecy and absolutely picked up on the shame. And I think from, you know, I mean, you talk about, yes, certainly there are genetic things that are passed down. And I do think that in my family, there was, you know, there was a predisposition for genetic depression, But I think even more importantly, sometimes we overlook that things such as fear and shame get passed down. And sometimes those are the actually the more dangerous things that get passed on. And, you know, children, children know that they sense that there's something wrong. And they, you know, it's worse when they it's a secret, because they're sensing all this stuff. And it doesn't make sense, because nothing's being talked about, you know, and I remember in this was even later when I was in college and I had this chemistry professor and he was a wonderful man. And, you know, I did well in chemistry. And, you know, I remember one test in particular, you know, I, I finished really quickly and he was like, well, how do you think you did? And I was like, well, I probably failed. Right. And I didn't, I got them all right. And so he suggested I seek counseling because he clearly saw that, you know, there was something with my self-esteem and I went home to my mother who was pretty, you know, seemed pretty open and generous and, you know, willing to listen to, to everything. And I said, you know, this chemistry teacher suggested I seek a counselor. And she, she's very unlike her. She slammed the door on my face and was like, no, no child of mine shall ever see someone like that.
0: So mm. she
1: knew, she knew a little, she didn't know all the details, but she knew that um, my Radon had been basically murdered by the Nazis, you know, pre-World War II. And, you know, mental illness was terrifying, you know. It, it sort of was equated with death and murder. And mm-hmm. you know, she was terrified for her children. So, I mean, it was passed down to her. And then when it was passed down to me and my siblings, now I don't know why, like, the others didn't pick it up the way I did. You know what I mean? Like... Why does that happen? I don't know. You know, I was definitely the more sensitive one, which my father did not approve of. And I was, you know, you think, you know, you're called, oh, you're oversensitive. And now you think about that. Well, that's a wonderful thing
0: to Mm -hmm.
1: do, you know, but that wasn't the case. You know, I was oversensitive. And Well, yeah, and I think
0: that that just speaks to, you know, I did an episode not not that long ago about epigenetics and how you right. can change your genetics right. um, or how the environment can impact the genetics. Right. And I think this is a perfect example of that. It's like, you know, you have how many siblings? I have three, yeah. Three siblings. So there's four of you total right. and you are the only one that suffered from depression in this yes. way. Yes, yes. Which is so interesting. I mean, it's such an interesting case study in right. that regard. It's like, right. what, what, it, what were you, what was genetically already there and what were you sensing and picking up on as a sensitive child? Right. The energy that you were likely picking up on, you know, the shame, the fear, the just probably
1: paralyzation of, right. of everything. Right. Right. No, I, yeah. I mean, I'm sure I was. And, you know, and thankfully, my mother and grandmother um, were courageous enough, and it was really hard for them to really reveal what had happened. Because when it all made sense, it didn't immediately cure my depression. You know, I went to therapy, I took medication. But boy, that it, it made a huge difference. Like then I really understood why I was who I was, you know? hmm so, so
0: share with us a bit, because you integrated par- a paranormal storyline in the yes. book. Share yes. with us a bit about that, and what made you do that?
1: There are a number of reasons. So number one, I think, well, maybe not number one, but I am fascinated with the paranormal. And after I was in, now I'm a science teacher, OK? And I'm saying that for a reason. Um, <laughs> Uh, because my family, I come from this really long line of, you know, very intellectual scientists.
0: Well, your dad was a theoretical 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 nuclear physicist. I mean, what does that even mean? (laughs) Yes. I can't even get past that part.
1: Yeah. Well, actually, you know what? If you're interested in the paranormal, it's very, not that my father was and not that his work in particular was that, but physicists now, and especially, you know, theoretical physicists are looking at, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you that physicists all believe in the paranormal, but they are looking at these correlations. And it is very interesting to read about what some of the physicists are theorizing these days on that, you know, as an aside. But anyway, I don't know where I'm I was working going on,
0: this. I'm working on trying to get someone on the show to talk about that from a
1: Either oh quanti- good!
0: Physi- yeah, yeah. Um, no, you were saying we were talking about you integrating that piece into the book.
1: Oh um, right, 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 right. Okay, sorry. Um, <laughs> I, I get myself off track and then I'm like, where was I? It's like I'm you know, used to
0: getting people back on track.
1: <laughs> okay, good, good. Anyway, so after it's interesting because when I was in in McLean, that was a mental hospital I was in in Boston. Um, I when I came out, you know, I I was just I became myself. It was like I, you know, I was able to be who I was always meant to be. And and one of the things I was meant to be and am is very curious about everything, right? And I met a friend and he told me his mother was a psychic. And I was like, oh yeah, no, that doesn't exist. I'm not allowed to believe in that. And he told me some stories and I was like, ooh, that sounds interesting. So we went to see um, his mother. This is my first time ever going to see a psychic, and she read regular cards, not tarot cards, which was kind of interesting. And she like she regular really, cards, like playing cards. Yeah. So you know, regular cards were first invented not for playing cards. They were invented for fortune telling. I mean, we call them playing cards now, but but technically they were the first real cards that people used. Hmm. Anyway, she was just astoundingly gifted, and she was my psychic for 30 years, and it was just, it's been a phenomenal journey. She died about a year ago, Um, but through her, I began to open up, and as I tell my students and my children, only a closed mind is certain, right? So you have to be open, and I was open, just enough to start, and then, you know, I was, fascinated, and I have been fascinated. But anyway, so that's, so a little piece of the the reason it's in the book is because of my really strong belief in it, and my belief as well that I do believe, you know, my mother and grandmother are here, they're on the other side, but I do believe they partly guided me in this process. Now, that's not in the book per se, but the other reason, um, as far as structure of the book and the story is that this woman who was in McLean as well, she was there because she lived in a group home and she knew there was going to be a fire. She was psychic. She knew there was going to be a fire in the group home. She told everybody and then there was a fire and then they accused her of committing, uh, of starting the fire. Which she was in the home with you? Yeah, she was in the mental hospital with me. Yeah. Wow. So she... Had visions, um, paranormal visions, which, you know, some people are going to say are crazy. And again, that's... Precognitions, right? Right. Whole other piece in in our society and and different in other societies, right? There are some societies where if you have visions like this, you know, you're going to be trained to be a shaman. I mean, it's a gift. Right. You're like lauded and people are lining up to see you. Right. But, but obviously, you know, in, in this country, I do think we're becoming more open, but it's still, you know, there's still a lot of, yeah, that's, that's not real. But anyway, so she had a vision in the mental hospital when, she, when my grandmother was there visiting of my grandmother's sister. And what it does to the character of my grandmother, it sort of pushes on her even more to become, a, you know, to make her question. You know where is this this woman who died? Where is this kind of love of her life? It was her sister in a way, right? Um, and is she still around? And it was important to put to put that character in that position and push on her boundaries because one of the themes of the book is that you know both the grandmother and the granddaughter have ideas of the other. One that aren't the nicest thing. Like the granddaughter thinks the grand, that I was the granddaughter thinks the grandmother's rigid and controlling and doesn't understand why she has all these rules and whatever. And the and the grandmother doesn't understand why the granddaughter doesn't do her hair more nicely. I obviously, look at my hair, but right, <laughs> you have so, great curly hair, right? But the the point being it, that you have to really listen to the other and be open to their, their experiences that really understand their fears. And so the whole book really is a trajectory of sorts of openness. And the paranormal piece pushes on those boundaries and sort of makes the grandmother have to be open, a little bit open about that too. How open? She's not going to be open like me about it, maybe. but. You know, those, those are the things that I think are important to question again, you know, going back to only a closed mind is certain, you know, we've got to push those boundaries. We've got to understand each other. We have to, you know, be open to the experiences of others.
0: Well, and I'm just thinking, what was it like for you to be in the hospital with this woman who had this vision of, or experience with your grandmother? um and her sister and like how did that get handled by the staff you know oh, i think it's it's so um It's so disconcerting in some ways to hear like that you'll just dismiss. I mean, that's her reality. And I understand that there is a thin line between reality and psychosis sometimes. I mean, I've sat with people who have severe schizophrenia and you can get pulled into those delusions really quickly. I mean, because they're so real to the person that they're sometimes, not always, but their way of expressing it is 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 so real and that's their reality but in right. this case this this I mean it she knew
1: things that she could right. not have known right so right in this particular case and and I'm glad you brought that up because you know believe me I I don't think you know people who have psychosis from schizophrenia is is not the same as having like messages or whatever from Mm-mm. the other side Mm-mm. but this woman, I don't know, I she was just dismissed. I mean, she wasn't, I don't know, there was something about her and I, she didn't come off as particularly bright. And I think that, so then she was more even more easily dismissed. Oh, mm. she's just like, you know, I mean, and that's so sad really, because she was really gifted.
0: And so how did you, how did that impact like, this being something that you were curious about or did it in any way? It
1: didn't at that time. I mean, it, it, that was, you know, it, it made, it was interesting. I think that, um, I, you know, I didn't fully understand it all. That's, you know, I didn't fully understand it. It was, but it, oh, again. Okay. So, it creates openness, right? It creates an opening. And that's so key in life for me. Like you create these little openings of curiosity, right? And you follow them, and you should follow them. You know, I tell my students that all the time. Like be curious. Above all, be curious. I love that. So that when I did get out of McLean, I was ready to begin to seek these experiences. And um I've had like fascinating experiences, both with, you know, psychics and mediums and frauds, which in many ways is really fascinating as well, because I mean, to me, the frauds have like sort of legitimized some of the real people. The the what?
0: What is The I frauds. Say? Sorry, frauds. So I've also oh, had... Oh, frauds, frauds. I'm some, like, is she
1: saying frogs? Yeah, no, I from? realized... That, right. The fraud. So I've had some pretty interesting experiences with frauds. And I think that has legitimized some of the people who are really gifted. Mm-hmm. For so did,
0: in some of your readings, has your grandmother and um, a- aunt, great, great aunt, aunt, have they come great. through? And what, could, do you feel comfortable sharing some of what they have shared?
1: Um, so I, they haven't, they my mother comes through much more often and okay. is, is more specific. I mean, my grandmother comes through sort of as a, a figure that's standing near my mother. Um, I, yeah, I'm comfortable sharing all my stories because that's who I am. Like, I realized, you know, I don't know when, I don't know, it wasn't long ago. I'm like, so what's been the path of my life? It's been one of openness because of the secrecy I grew up in, right? Mm-hmm. So I sort of, and I know I, I realize I'm getting a little off track here, but I more importantly than anything, I wanted to make sure that I raised my daughter, in, my daughters um, in a home where they were comfortable with openness, vulnerability. And both my daughters have suffered from at varying degrees from some depression and anxiety. And there's no shame. There was no shame for them. And I remember when my eldest daughter was um, beginning to show signs around 14. I mean, I took her to the a therapist, a psychiatrist and a psychic, right? Like I covered all the bases. And I tell that I tell that to my students because, you know, there's help to be had out there. There's great help. And if the first person doesn't work, it doesn't matter. There'll be other people. There'll be a, a different medication or you know, there's just so much help and support. You just can't like give up. But anyway, I was going to tell one short story. about Sure, my absolutely. Own. So this woman, Sophie, who um read, you know, as a psychic, but also had mediumship abilities. I remember when Erica, my oldest daughter, was pregnant with her first child. She had just suffered a miscarriage before her pregnancy. And so She was pretty newly pregnant. She had an ultrasound on New Year's Eve in Boston. I happened to be in Chicago. And the technician said something that Erica didn't understand. And Erica called me totally hysterical. She she couldn't breathe, she could barely speak. Finally, she said something like the technician said there was like an artery in the baby's head. I was like, that makes no sense. But I was so worried about Erica and about the baby. And, um, I got off the phone and in my family, there are a number of medical doctors and I could have called the radiologist, but I called the psychic. Right. <laughs> and, um, I, I was like, Sophie, you have to help me. And so Sophie read the cards over the phone and she said, the baby's absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with the baby. She said, but Erica can't have sex for two weeks. I was like, okay, I can't tell my daughter that right. I can't say, you know, and Sophie was like, there's nothing wrong with the baby. Something hasn't moved yet. And Erica should not have sex for two weeks. You need to tell her that. And I was like, yeah, I can't do that. Erica saw her doctor a couple of days later and the doctor said the baby was totally fine. What the woman had seen was something called an artifact, which is, you know, because they're sound waves, it's not something that has to do with anything, but, you know, or reading of the sound waves but Erica's placenta hadn't moved yet it was still low lying so the doctor said you can definitely have sex but if you do chances are you'll spot and then you'll get his no get you'll get upset right, and you'll need right. to come in for an ultrasound which is fine you can do that um but that Sophie had known everything you know what i mean she didn't know it was called the placenta but you know all these things happen with her all the time and it just It fascinates me. I mean, before she died, she she had significant dementia, but I would still go and visit her all the time. Not for reading so much, just to bring her cake and, you know, to be there for her. But every time she saw me, she wanted to do a reading. So she could still do a reading even while she had dementia. And the readings, here's the thing about that they were so accurate i didn't even know how accurate they were till after she died right and i mean the things she told me in the readings that have since come true are so crazy like you know i'm like how can i not believe in all of this when this has actually happened,
0: you know? Well, and what does that say about our brains when you have dementia and you're still able to tap into
1: this part of yourself? Right. Well, they've I done mean, some really interesting studies with that, looking at, at the brain waves when like certain mediums, I know, I, you know, certain mediums, they've studied their like brain activity while they're actually doing or in a trans. Right. Or a but state. I mean, when you
0: have dementia, like that's a new level of, of
1: right. research, complete, I feel like. Right. Right. And I mean, my research is only anecdotal. It's research. It is research. I mean, I've collected a ton of data, but it's anecdotal and as is a lot of this research. But the interesting thing to me too, is there, I I love the University of Virginia studies. The, yeah, um, I don't know. Bruce Grayson. I, I
0: had him on. Oh, you uh, did? A little, yeah. He's actually, it's February 25th right now, but he's going to be, because this will air probably in May. He is on my March 4th. He has a new book coming out.
1: Oh, um, he does? Um, yeah. Okay. called
0: After. It's phenomenal. It's yes. a phenomenal book.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I love all the work they're doing there and they- you know, they have mountains and mountains of research mm-hmm. I mean, and data that they've collected. And, you know, so it's always shocking to me that people still will be like, wait, you believe in that? And I'm like, how can you not? If you do your homework, how right. can you not? Right. Well,
0: Sylvia, this was so interesting. What where can people find you other than in the classroom teaching remote <laughs> Our our students, are. Leaders of tomorrow, right? I mean, right. thank you. It sounds like you're an amazing teacher too, just in how you talk to them about the no, world ab- and just about being everything. In it.
1: Everything. Even though I teach chemistry, we talk about everything. It's fun. That's, I love teaching. I'm so lucky, like to have fallen into, you know, got in high school in.
0: no less. Like right. I feel like people are just scared of adolescents in general. So right, and they're even so funny. I have won, right.
1: Um, they well, are anyway,
0: fun. I, have, I think I have a,
1: a website and, um, at dot com, and you can buy the book pretty much anywhere. So Google searches these days are great. I love to hear from people. I, I you know, I'll connect with anybody. Basically. Oh, I
0: forgot one big piece. That's important. Your that's interesting. Your, um, grandfather was Anne Frank's
1: doctor. So my grandfather on my father's side was the doctor of the whole family in Frankfurt. They fled to Amsterdam, the the Frank family, and my um, father's family fled to England. And my grandfather was one of the kindest, most gentle souls. And he absolutely could not believe and would not believe that humans were going to be or could be as terrible as they ended up being. And he just he literally had to get pushed on a train to, to get out of Germany. Cause he, he, he was like, this, this isn't going to happen. I mean, and you know, we understand that like, you know, we don't believe people can do horrible things and they do. And it's crazy.
0: Did he know this Frank's family story? Well, he knew it later. Yeah. Right, I mean, right. yeah.
1: And he was very, it, it affected him greatly. Like he, he was, my father said he died too young because of, you know, the trauma of the trauma of leaving, but also I think just the sadness of it, you know, of it all. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, well, if people want to read your fascinating, beautiful story of Where Madness Lies, they can find you. You told us on um, Google, they can Google you, and I will have all the links also listed in my uh, show notes. Oh, Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time today. I hope I hope you I didn't like run into any of your course time or anything.
1: No. <laughs> <laughs> I juggle many things. <laughs> well thank you. All right.
0: Like what you heard today and want to hear more? Wondering what comes next and what it all means? Head over to Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts and hit subscribe also, if you could take a minute to rate and review my podcast, I would really appreciate it. Stay tuned as we continue to explore life, death, and the space between.